let's rejoice one more time with a hand clap of praise today. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Sister Tracy and that choir, when I get done preaching today, of course, um, well, just when I get done, let's just go back and sing that. Let's just go back and sing that. He is holy, faithful, righteous. I'm going to talk about him today. I'm going to talk about him today. Oh, let's lift our hands and love him one more time. Hallelujah. I feel his spirit in this place today. Hallelujah. Lord, move in somebody's life today, Jesus. We want to do more than just come and have a little religious function and go home. Lord, we want you to move. Hallelujah. You said, Lord, if you were lifted up, you'll draw all men. Draw today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I need to preface this sermon today. It's the Sunday before Christmas. I have to say that um, as a preacher of the gospel, moreover, an apostolic preacher of the gospel, a Jesus name preacher of the gospel, when I think about his birth, and I, I know we can get all wigged out on, well, that's a, that's a pagan custom, and and while we're getting wigged out about that, we have the bridal march at our weddings. We blow out candles on our birthday cake. Oh, well. So bear with me in a minute. We could get in an argument about when he, when he was born, and it wasn't anywhere close to this date, and I understand that. But while society is thinking about his birth, and we have, we have the world saying Merry Christmas, and... Uh, so bear with me as we focus today. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to talk about his birth today. And I will say as an apostolic preacher of the gospel that I'm going to preach from the word today. I'm going to take our, we're going to take our belief system from the word today. We're going to believe what we believe because the word says it. So with that said, I'm not going to draw from uh, early uh, church father's writings. I'm going to draw from the Word of God. I'm not going to preach something that was developed uh, centuries after the death, burial, and resurrection and the death of the disciples. I'm going to preach what the disciples believed. I'm going to preach the gospel that they preached. I've got a mandate. Jesus gave Peter the keys and said, I give to you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you open on earth will be open in heaven and bound on earth will be bound in heaven. I'm thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't need my help. Somebody say amen. So I come today to talk about Jesus. When I start thinking about Christmas, I can't help but be drawn to that manger, that that little scene, that humble scene in Bethlehem, and I'm thankful for that. So I want us to pray one more time and ask the Lord to speak to us today. Would you do that? Lord, thank you for your word, your power in this place. I thank you for what we feel here today, for what you're wanting to say to this people today. Lord, move by your power. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it. 
I praise you for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. My earliest memories of Christmas uh, come from the old pine trees of central Louisiana. That's probably why I've got balsam candles burning in my house. <laughs> it reminds me of Christmas. I remember we didn't have no artificial Christmas tree. We had a real Christmas tree. <laughs> I remember the big, large stereo cabinet. Those things were huge. You know, you can play them on so many different devices now. We had a huge stereo that played those big CDs, those big black CDs. And I remember those Christmas albums. One of my favorite, the Kentucky Fried Chicken Christmas album. No wonder I'm called to preach. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken Christmas album put out in somewhere between 1967, 69, somewhere in there. They put out three editions. I believe the edition we had was 1969. One of my favorites was the first song on the track on that big black CD. It was Charlie Pride singing, Out of the East They Came Riding. I don't recall any specific gifts per se. I, I remember a few. I remember the Hot Wheels, the track with the loop in it. I think the re reason I remember the Hot Wheels is because I got hit with portions of the track. <laughs> I remember a bicycle. I remember a Daisy BB gun. I remember the electric football game that I used to paint the... Uh, the players, I used to paint both teams. Of course, obviously, one team was always LSU. <laughs> and the other team was somebody I really wanted to beat real bad. <laughs> and I'd beat them in my bedroom on the electric football game. I remember the red lights lining the roof line of Paul and Grandmother Jean's house. I remember the first year I drove around down the street and around the block. And, and my eyes were looking for those red lights, and I remember the first year they weren't there. I thought about that in pulling out the Christmas tree here a few, well, a few weeks ago, a few days ago for that matter. I told Cheryl, I said, it seems like two months ago I put this thing up, put it in the barn. But then as I began to set it up, you know, that's one thing about decorating is it's not so much it's a lot of work, a lot of things go into it, but uh, as you begin to do that, there's memories connected with all of that. And it's connecting with the past, some precious people of the past. I remember going to my mama and papa's, my maternal grandparents, and all my cousins were there, and I remember playing football and volleyball and riding a go-kart, you know, back then it was really cold. It was probably in the 60s in Christmas. Really, we all had our coats on. I remember we had a custom uh, on Christmas morning. We would always read Luke chapter 2. We still do. My mother demands it. <laughs> we still read Luke chapter 2, uh, the, the great setting uh, written by uh, Luke in his gospel. Uh, I remember the, the manger scene, and I've mentioned this before, uh, we would set up the manger scene. I remember going out and getting that Spanish moss that is so beautiful down there in the south. I remember getting a lot of that. Mom would put it all around the manger scene and, and, uh, and put all the wise men, the shepherd and the sheep. We had a nice ceramic 
uh, the wise men, their camels, they had matching outfits. It's pretty cool. The wise men, one had a certain color scheme and his camel had that color scheme. And, and uh, so it was, it was pretty impressive. I remember uh, no manger scene being, being complete without the manger. I remember the little manger, you'd stand there and look at it. We'd hang the angel on the, on the bookshelf above the manger scene. And, and I, I've mentioned this before, but I was, I was shocked as I grew older that Jesus seemed to be the most broken piece among the manger scene. Everybody else had their arms and legs. Jesus had been broken so many times and glued back together. We had dropped Jesus multiple times. But as broken as Jesus was, you had to have him in the manger scene because that's what it was all about. Everybody was looking toward that baby in that manger. And the nativity was not complete without that manger. In fact, it's, this, it's the title of my subject today, Manger Required. Manger Required. You're going to buy Christmas gifts this year. Hopefully you've already done all that. You've got a couple days left if you haven't. But if you got children or grandchildren, you're probably going to frantically, uh, you may just buy a package of them. You may buy an assortment of them. But uh, many of the presents you may buy need batteries. <laughs> so you better have batteries. Do not be buying stuff and then have no batteries in the house. Can I get an amen? Right, your, your joyful uh, day may turn into a conniption fit. Can I get a witness? So just as batteries are required to the nativity, to the story, to, to the epic uh, story of the gospel, the manger is required. You see, man had sinned. Redemption had been planned before the foundation of the, of the world. He was the lamb slain before God ever said anything. Somebody say Amen. I don't want to take a lot of time, but everything we see and experience today is came out of him. He not only created it, but by him it was created. So all that we see came from him. Amen. As Paul said in Romans, that we can understand him and we understand him by the things that are made because everything that's made proceeded from him. Somebody say amen. So if we're to be redeemed, that plan didn't get conjured up somewhere in the saga of the story. God was not uh, confused. God didn't get blindsided when man had sinned. God had a plan before he ever created man. That's huge. I don't know if we understand the magnitude of that, but God had a plan for man's failure before man ever failed. <laughs> And if there was going to be redemption, it was going to come forth from God. Somebody say amen. amen. So when we start thinking about Christmas, what does Christmas mean to us? It means a lot of things to us, but Christmas really is about conflict. It's about a battle. It's about a battle for humanity. It's about the enemy of our souls not wanting us redeemed. Not wanting us saved, coming to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Christmas is about a war going on for the souls of men. 
And this is not a war just fought outside of me or around me. This is a conflict that goes on in me. I can be a participant in this battle. Come on, saints, that's why we need to pray because there's a battle going on for the souls of humanity. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord. I, 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 Christmas. Christmas. Oh, there is no Christmas. Well, fine. I, I find Christmas in Genesis 3. To be honest with you, I find Christmas is three chapters into the book where the writer says, I will, where, the, where God says, Moses writing says that the Lord says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed. You hear that, right? You do know the serpent in the garden has a seed. He has children also between thy seed and her seed. And he says, thy, his, her seed shall bruise thy head and thy seed shall, and thou shalt bruise his heel. I find Christmas in Genesis 3 that says there's coming a man. <laughs> oh, praise God. Somebody's coming. <laughs> and it ain't Santa Claus. <laughs> Come on, you better watch out. <laughs> Yeah, because somebody's coming to town and it's not Santa Claus. It's that seed of a woman that's gonna crush the head of the enemy of the souls of mankind. I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I know Jesus. I'm glad I'm in church today talking about him. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord today. Yeah, I find Christmas in the first book. I find Christmas in the last book. Revelation 12, there was a woman, she's pregnant, ready to be delivered, to have a baby. And John says, I see a dragon standing before her and he's ready to devour the child as soon as it's born. Thank God it didn't stop there. Thank God the period in that verse doesn't end the thought. The plan of the Bible says the, the dragon stood to devour her when the child was born. And then the next verse says she brought forth a child. I don't care what the devil tried to do to stop it. God had a plan and the plan wasn't gonna stop. And I'm telling you today, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He's more than just a baby. He's more than just a man. Oh, somebody give Jesus praise today. So I wanna grasp it. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord today. To grasp it, to try and grasp it. I think we need to understand this. Genesis 1, 26. It's very important. And God said, let us make man in our image and in our like, after our likeness. Let them have dominion. Everybody say dominion. Over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. Praise God. And over all the cattle. Dominion over all the earth. Everybody say dominion over the earth. Everybody say dominion over the earth. And over all the creeps. Thank God we have dominion over the creeps. Can I get a witness? Thank God we can go fishing and pull out a fish and go have a fish fry. Thank God we can go duck hunting. 
Thank God we got a good ribeye on the barbecue grill. But the fact of the matter, we're not, we don't just have dominion over animals and fish and birds and creeps. We've got dominion over all the earth. Much of the trouble, don't blame trouble on God. God doesn't have dominion in this earth. We, man has dominion in this earth. God gave it to him. Now you can say what you want. God could bust in here and put all of you on the floor and make you worship him. He could get you up by the nap of the neck and make you run the aisles. But you know what? Man has dominion in this church. If I'm gonna worship, I've gotta worship him myself. He's not gonna make me do it. If I'm gonna come to the altar, he's not gonna drag me here. You do notice that Jesus is not preaching the message today, right? Because he has given dominion to men in the earth. He calls men to preach. And by the foolishness of preaching, we are saved. Now, God's not the source of all our trouble. I want to tell you what, if men has dominion, if man has dominion, we're the problem. The Bible says man was to care for the earth, keep the rivers clean, name the animals, prune all the trees. Can I get a witness? From Genesis 1:26 to the very end of the, book, of the Bible until this very day, God never did anything outside of that system he had created that he instituted. In other words, God never did anything without the assistance of a man, a human being. Every divine action after Genesis 1:26 had human fingerprints all over it. Make no mistake about it. God is the only one that can save, but man is the only one that has dominion. We got a real problem here. God is the savior, but man is, has dominion. If man is gonna be saved, it's gonna take a man to save him. No, you're not hearing me. That's the fact. There's a great gulf fixed. We couldn't make up the difference. God is holy. God is righteous. God is faithful. We don't come up to what God is. Isaiah speaks of this, that only God can save. Man's in a dilemma because he's the one that has dominion, but only God can save. Isaiah 59, 16. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. For this reason, his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness, it sustained him. Look at verse 17. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation upon his head and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Isaiah, did he knew there was coming a Messiah, but he couldn't see him. He couldn't describe him, but he got pretty close. He says, I see God. When he could find no man, God started putting on his armor. No, you didn't hear me. Isaiah said God was looking for somebody in the earth to save. And when he could find nobody, he started getting on his armor. And you know what he put on? He put on flesh. That's the armor he put on. Because only God can save. But only a man has dominion. So God put on the robes of a man. 
Come on, this is more than just a manger. This is more than just a carol. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. This is more than just a song to sing. This is a message to be preached. He was looking for somebody and when he could find nobody, he started getting dressed. I think I'll put that on. There's only one God. Make no mistake about it, when God decided to save, he looked for a man and he found no one. He, uh, it's what the Bible says now. It's, statically, it's stated emphatically, emphatically in the first commandment, Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Psalms 90 verse 2. This God I'm talking about had no beginning and has no ending. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is God before the world was created and he'll be God when the earth is burned with fervent heat. Oh, Not only is he God and there is one God. I'm so emphatic about this. Make no mistake about it. He is God by himself. No, no, this is from the Bible. I'm not gonna go to the library and pull out some book from the 8th century. I'm gonna take it from the Bible. Read it for yourself. You have one. I don't wanna get smart, Alec. But I gotta read this. Psalms 86.10. For thou art great. How many believe he's great? And doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Isaiah 44 and verse eight, fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there, it, well, you say, oh, brother Gene, you're getting a little sarcastic. I, I take it from a good source. Right here in Isaiah 44, it's like God saying, all right, I'm gonna get a little smarty with you. I've declared it from the, from the going forth of time. You are the witnesses of what I've declared. And he said, oh, is there a God beside me? Wait, beside me. Is there a God beside me? Hey, there's no God. I don't know any. Wait a minute. Where did we get all this stuff? Jesus up there standing somewhere. Isaiah said that God declared from the beginning that he was God by himself. Ain't nobody. Hey, is there a God? I don't see one. Wait, you, oh, you need to understand what's in that manger, friend. You need to understand the magnitude of to wit God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I said I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Come on somebody clap your hands under the Lord. So, so, if there was a time there was no Jesus, no, wait, no, 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 all this preexistent and all this eternal and all this. God says through his prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 44 that there was a time there was no Jesus there. I don't see any other God. There ain't one beside me. Everything that is comes out of me. Right? That's right. That's the facts. Well, I'm not sure you're convinced. All right. 
Isaiah 45, verse 5. Look, look at what he, I am the Lord. There's none else. There's no God beside me. I girded thee. Uh, why haven't you known me? There is no God. There's none beside me. I'm the one that dressed you, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. Look at what he says. I dressed you and kept you so that the world may know there is no other God beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I don't know how much plainer you can get. I know, well, Brother Gene, you can't talk much about that because that's not popular. I'm not concerned about being popular. I'm too old to worry about peer pressure anymore. And it doesn't matter to me how many churches, uh oh, God help me. It doesn't matter what their doctrinal statement may be. In Isaiah 45, I find the Lord Jehovah saying, There is nobody else but me. Ain't no God here but me. And I believe that. No, I said I believe that. I'm believing that word right there. Not only is he by himself, this God who says sarcastically, I'm looking for one, but I can't find one. This God further identifies himself in Nehemiah 9 and 6. He says, not only am I God, but I'm the one that made the heavens and the earth. Nehemiah 9 and 6, thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made the heaven and the heavens of heavens with all their hosts, look at there, the earth and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein, and thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. Nehemiah says, this God that says, I've been looking but can't find another one, I'm God by myself. He says, that God that's by himself is the God that created. Isaiah 37, 16, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, that dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. He's creator. But Isaiah 44 and 24 says he's more than just the alone God that created everything. Isaiah 44, 24, thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. No, that, that rolled right off this pulpit and splat right on the floor. It, Isaiah, the same guy that said he's by himself and it's the God that created. He says that Lord is your Redeemer. No, 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 that alone God who dwelt between the cherubims, that Jehovah is thy redeemer and he it is that formed thee in the womb. I am the Lord that makes all things. Look, the redeemer is the one that created. Yes, I stretched forth the heavens. I spread abroad the earth by myself. You want some more word? I know, I know it's hitting you right. I know, I understand, but it's the word. Isaiah 43, 11, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no 
savior. None. There is none. Jehovah is your savior. Wait a minute. Well, now I'm getting quite confused. Which God is not the author of. Wait a minute. What about Jesus? What about this manger? If God's by himself and he's the one that created and the God that created by himself says, I'm not only God that's alone and created, I'm also your redeemer and there is no savior besides me. I looked for a man to save you. Couldn't find one. And when I couldn't find one, I decided to get dressed. Wow. This gives new meaning to who's in that manger. This gives new meaning to who's on that cross. This gives new meaning who came out of that grave and who's sitting on that throne. Oh yes. Oh somebody praise him for a minute. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. You can't help but talk about Jesus. He shows up. Lord, help me. Isaiah 45, verse 21. Tell me. Come near. Bring all your smart ideas. You see that in there? Is about okay? Well, the KJV says it this way. Tell me and bring them near, yea. Let them take counsel together. God's saying, hey, smarty pants. Come on, let's talk about it. Bring me all you smart ideas. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord, no God beside me, a just God and a Savior? Hosea 13, 4, yea, I am the Lord thy God from, look, he's the same God that took them from the land of Egypt. Not somebody else. This is the God that took them from the land of Egypt and thou shalt know no God but me. Why? Because there is no Savior beside me. You better know me because there ain't no saving outside of me. Why is he the only Savior? Because only God can forgive Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions from my own sake and will not remember thy sins. In fact, the Jews were dumbfounded how Jesus could heal somebody and then say, thy sins be forgiven. Wait, the Bible is emphatic. Only God can blot out transgressions. Well, I guess you're starting to figure out who Jesus is then. And I want to tell you right now, I want to cut to the chase that this is a Jesus church, that this is a Jesus name church. Oh yeah, because, uh, well let me go on. Why, the Jew says, why does Jesus speak blasphemies? Because we know that only God can forgive sin. Wait a minute. When Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, he emphatically supported this thought. When he said, when you pray, pray our Father. 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all that. And then he says, forgive us our debts. Only God can wipe the slate clean. Only God can expunge the record of your transgression. So only God can save and redeem. But wait, man has dominion. If it's gonna happen, it's gotta happen in a man. This is where Isaiah saw him getting dressed, putting his armor on. He's going to defeat the devil at his own game. He's going to put on the robes of frailty, sickness, pain, and even suffer death as a man. He's going to do it for you and for me because man has dominion in the earth. If the victory is going to be won, it's going to be done in a man. So God puts on his robes. The Bible tells us that had the princes of this world known who he was, they would have never crucified him. You know why they didn't know who he was? Because he put on his robes. He put on a helmet. Oh, I'm glad it's Christmas because I love to preach about Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Come on, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Come on, somebody cry out. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, it's not the first time God got dressed. He'd wrapped himself in a cloud. He'd wrapped himself in a pillar of fire. Oh yeah, he'd gotten dressed before, but not quite like this. If you want to know how much, go back on the podcast and listen to the message. When the man going up met the man coming down. (laughs) This God who was alone, who could find no Savior, knew we needed saving. (laughs) So he started putting his robe on. Pulled on his britches, put it over his head. Isaiah 59, verse 16, when he saw there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor, his arm, God put on an arm. (laughs) He got dressed. His arm brought salvation to him and his righteousness, it sustained him. Let me say emphatically today as I hasten to a close, it's important what you believe about the person in this manger. It's important what you believe about Jesus, the Son of God, never in the Bible called God the Son, ever. The Son of God. God dressed up. Jesus asked. He knew it was important. It's why he asked. Who do men say that I am? Only God can redeem. Only man has dominion. This is why Jesus is 
He's God in my clothes. You see, who you believe in that manger is vitally important. John 8, 24. I said this for this reason, that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, oh, it's in my notes. Please forgive me if you must. If I offend you, forgive me. I'm gonna read this verse, then I'm gonna read what the next line in my notes is. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins if ye, for if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. The next line says, you have a Bible, read it. You know why I said that? Because we're in John chapter eight. Do you know what's in John chapter eight? You ought to. Because if Jesus is saying, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins, you might want to know what he's talking about. So that you don't die in your sins, right? You might want to know what he's talking about. It's John 8. You remember what happened in John 8? A woman caught in adultery. in my clothes the only one that could accuse her and could stone her said hey where's your accusers and she said I don't see anybody he said you know what I forgive and you just forgave her you didn't condemn her you didn't stone her you just let her walk off and we know the only one that can do that he's the one that answers by fire he's the one we've been sacrificing to he's been one we've been killing lambs to every year that's the only one that can forgive who, who are you he said well the reason the reason I said this is for you to know who I am and he said, you don't know me because you don't know the one that sent me. <laughs> you can't get past my clothing. <laughs> you can't get past my garments, my vesture dipped in blood. That's all you can see. <laughs> but you, oh. he says, you don't know my father because, and you don't know me. This is where we get this verse that I read, John 8, 24. He says to them, except you believe that I am he. Because they said, Okay, then tell us who the Father is. 
show us who he is. And Jesus says, except you believe that I'm he. (laughs) Jesus said, I am he. What those angels said that night is neither legend nor expensive decoration. It is a fact. It is the ultimate. It cannot be revised. What they said that night to those shepherds in those Judean hills, it is the ultimate. Man, I, well, I'm going to have a party anyway. It is the most awesome words that can ever be spoken. Luke chapter 2 verse 11, read those ultimate unrevised words. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. (laughs) Now you've heard it so much. Come on brother Kyle. You've heard it so much, you've missed the point. The angel said, born to you is a Savior. A Savior is born. No, only God alone who creates is a savior. That's right. And the angel says that savior was born. Born in a manger. And I wish I had a voice to shout it. I wish I had the energy to preach it longer, but I don't. A savior is born. A savior is born. Not a savior shall be born, but he is born a savior. I want to go on record. There is no other savior. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not Krishna, not Trump, not Pelosi, not Schiff. Not the election. This world is making us realize that they do not care what God you worship as long as your God does not have an identity. No, you didn't hear me. The world is saying we don't care who you worship as long as you don't name him. Oh yeah, you'll hear them, you know, LSU wins the national championship, some old guy gets a mic stuck in his mouth. He says, I just want to thank God. They don't get offended when he says God. He could be talking about Muhammad for all they care. They don't know, he could be talking about his little, uh, well, this little Star, Star Wars guy with the fuzzy ears. Yeah, he could talking about his little Yoda in the closet. In his, that may be his God. And we all go, look, he's, he's glorifying God. Oh, God. Oh, oh yeah, he's talking about God. You don't know who he's talking about. He could be talking about his girlfriend for all you know. I just want to thank God. The world don't care if you talk about God until you start naming him. When you say, oh, I want to thank Jesus. <laughs> oh, they got a problem with that. But I want to tell you, you're in a church that magnifies the name of Jesus, that lifts up the name of Jesus. That he, oh. 
We're gonna get on our feet and glorify Jesus. We're gonna sing to Jesus. He is a savior. Oh, come on, that's right. We're gonna run because of Jesus. He's the savior. There is no other. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. Come on, just some musicians, come on. This world doesn't care who we worship as long as we don't identify him. But we worship Jesus. We honor Jesus. What we do, we do all in the name. Don't be confused. If you need to be baptized today, I don't want you to be in any question. This preacher's gonna baptize you a certain way. I'm gonna identify the God that I know is the Savior. His name is Jesus. Come on. There's power in the name of Jesus. Acts 4 and 10. Be it, some guy got healed, everybody was freaked out. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him that this man stand before you whole. Oh, praise God. And this, who? Jesus is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. The one you rejected, God put on the corner. Oh, yeah. God put him there, and neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be. There's no other stone. That means there's no other person. So why is there no other person? Because there is no other name. Philippians 2 and 9, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. God only gave that name to one person. Oh, there's plenty of Jesuses. No. You can even name your son Jesus. But God only gave one person that name. Savior, and that was Jesus. Isaiah 9 and 6. <laughs> Unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. His name shall be called. Look, remember this is Isaiah. He sees crazy stuff. He knows Jesus is coming, but he doesn't quite get it because he says, I see God who is the only Savior. I see him putting on his clothes. <laughs> then he gets to chapter 9, verse 6, and he says, I know he's going to have a name, but I can't quite make, oh, he's wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Wait, wait. In the same verse, it says, a child shall be born to you who is the everlasting Father.
the old 70s guy in me wanted to bust out at this point in the service. Well, let me tell you who Jesus is. He's the rock of all ages. I want to do my little Elvis move. But I am overwhelmed. I can't believe I talked so long about it because I can't even put the words together to describe who he is. He's more than just a man. He's the child that was born that was the everlasting father. 1 Timothy 3.16 and without controversy. Well, I guess it was without controversy then. Just wait three more centuries, Paul. <laughs> but in the, in the, look, in the first century, he writes to Timothy. There's no controversy about it. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was, God put on his armor. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels. He's preached to the Gentiles, believed in the world, and received in the glory. I want to tell you when I get to heaven, I'm going to see him. I'm going to see those nail-scarred hands. I'm going to see those eyes. I'm going to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. (laughs) It's important. He's the everlasting Father, creator of all the world, wrapped in flesh. You can sit down. See, the needle doesn't move if I just keep saying Jesus is God, Jesus is God. A lot of people believe Jesus is God. You gotta identify who you're talking about. Jesus is the creator God, wrapped in flesh. The God that brought Israel out of Egypt, that God put on a body. That doesn't do anything. That doesn't mess anything up with Deuteronomy 6.4. Heroes of the Lord our God is one. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Colossians 2.9. For in him, Paul's talking about Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. You better hope it's all in him. Because if it is, that's the only way you're complete. He's the head of all principality and power. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. To wit, God was in Christ. I don't have to go any further. Wait, that, that does not say to wit, Jesus was in Christ. No, that says God was in Christ. God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to who? He's the only Savior. Look at it. It had to be reconciled to him. And it had to come through a man. God said, I want to reconcile the world, but it has to come through a man. So God put his man clothes on. (laughs) Maybe I'm getting old. Maybe... My feelings are getting the best of me, but I can't help it. Every time during this year I see the manger, 
I think about God in Christ. What he did for me. Yeah, manger required. Yeah, manger required. For how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? I want to live for him. I want to serve him. I want to give my life to him because of who's in that manger. Now, I close with this. Choir, come on. Just come on up right beside me. Don't worry about getting in line. You can find your spot. And we'll give you a mental break just to kind of watch everybody walk past you. Come on, choir. Let's give the choir a big hand. Thank you. I, st- I started to do it. I started to do it. Look, listen real close, and I'll let you go. We'll be done. We're not having church in the middle of this week. You won't be back till next Sunday. So, the Bible says, Betty, that God said in Genesis three. Max, when God said in Genesis three, the seed of this woman is going to bruise your head. Every man, child born, there was a hope that is this the one. Is this the one? Because they knew there was going to be born a man that would crush the head of the enemy. I started to put it all on a slide, but after I got to about 80 slides, I realized that the slide people up there would probably think, because they determine how long my sermon's going to be by how many PowerPoint slides I have. They've told me before, man, I knew this. I thought this was going to be short. You only had three slides. <laughs> I almost today gave them a PowerPoint file that had about 103 slides in it. I knew what they were going to do. They were going to have a fit. I wish I could put it on visual for you. You'll just have to try to visualize it. But you just go down every... The line of Christ is emphatically mentioned in the scripture. You can find it. Every one of Christ's descendants, or ancestors, excuse me. We are his descendants. His ancestors, you can find them. From Adam, amen, from Adam all the way down to Bethlehem. When you go down through those and you start naming their names and you define their names, See what, like my name means bald. Everybody look right here. My name means bald. I'm not sure where that plays in the kingdom. But in the line of Jesus, every name evidently was important because when you stack them all up on top of each other and list all the meanings of their name, why didn't they know? Why didn't they see it? In fact, when I read this, I'm just going to read the definitions of their names. I'm not going to tell you whose name it is. You'll recognize some of them, like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You'll recognize some of them. So here we go. You know who it starts with, right? God. Let me give an example. God, and then Adam's next, right? And Adam means man, right? Okay, here we go. God, man, is appointed a mortal man to possess the glory of God 
shall come down instructing that his death shall bring to pass those in despair, comfort, and rest. We're at Noah. The fame of Babylon's fortress and sorrow extend like a plant beyond the place of division. A friend branches out enraged with fury. A glorious father laughs as he outwits his enemy by catching his heel. One who praises the Lord breaks open a way. An area surrounded by a wall of great height. Oh, my people who belong to the prince, a prophet clothed with strength who serves the Lord is here. We're at Jesse. David, one well-loved, peaceful, who sets the people free. My father is the Lord, the healer of him who the Lord judged and him who the Lord raised up. The Lord took hold of me. The Lord is strong. Mighty is the Lord. My strength and my help are in the Lord. The Lord is perfect. That's just the bloodline. Ahaz, I took a hold of the strength of the Lord. Manasseh, it made me forget my misery. (laughs) Oh, let's keep marching. Truly, I am a master builder whom the Lord healed, whom the Lord God raised up, whom the Lord upholds. I have asked God for the ransomed of the Lord, the exiles who were in Babylon. My father is glorious. My God will raise up a helper. The just one will the Lord raise up. My God is my praise, Eliezer. My God will help. May, come on. We only got four generations left. Hear it. May the gift of the one who grasped the heel and outwit his enemy increase in greatness. God is with us. Come on, let me tell you who Jesus is. All his fathers tell you who he is. He's the Savior. He's the God of heaven and earth. Somebody ought to praise him. Somebody ought to lift him up. Come on, somebody stand and give Jesus praise. Lord, I'm asking you to have your way right now. Come on, I want to tell you right now, there's not a problem too big for this Jesus. There's not a sickness too great for this Jesus. There's not a sin too dark for this Jesus. He's holy, but he put on the robes of a man and came to be your Savior. And as the choir starts to sing it, 
I just want you to worship God the way you feel like you should. If you want to walk up here and cast your burdens on the Lord again, this altar's open. Come on right now, saints of God. Oh, come let us adore him just for a minute. This Jesus, this creator wrapped in flesh. Come on. Come on.